Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to episode three of On the Couch. Today I have with me Dr. Richard Brown. Hello. <laughs> and he is here to talk to us about all things medical, really, aren't you? So we're, yeah. we'll start off by um, chatting about you, and the two things that I have in my mind about you is firstly that you introduced us to frothy milk which was very exciting for active potential therapy yep. <laughs> you brought us our first no you did you well you gave it to us i think because you did. weren't using your your milk frother and the other thing is uh, your very miraculous recovery from uh, a complete achilles tear which was <laughs> was quite impressive i think isn't it so it was should we talk about go backwards and talk about what how how what's your sort of activity like what do you do in terms of activity my wife would say i do far too many stupid things <laughs> um, we all think that yeah like playing rugby at the age of 40 was not a sensible thing to try and, re- <laughs> try and reinvent which is what led to my achilles rupture um most of my f- sports throughout the whole of my life has been swimming has been now taekwondo a bit of rugby in there as well um generally spend my life being injured in some way, shape or form. I think we all do post 40, don't we really? Somewhere. Yes, things, things start to break. Well, things started breaking at 30 with my first Achilles and then oh, yeah. broken again at 40 with my with my second, second one. one. Um, and but you do swim to quite a high level as well, yes. so probably better. You have to sort of round that off. You do, you know, it's yeah. not just bobbing up and down on a Sunday morning. No, no, I've now started master swimming. Oh, wow, amazing. Well. So... For most of my childhood, I was a, a swimmer, swam at high standard as a child. And now that my children have started swimming, I've realised actually it is quite good fun. And I can go back. And it's far more fun as a master because when you're doing it as a master, it's a lot more relaxed. People yeah. aren't quite They'll be shouting so, at you from no, the sidelines. No, I haven't got my parents shouting at me to go quicker. Um, although my mum still does think that I'm not quite as quick as what I should be. Oh, well that... But that's what mums can do. Mums yeah, can give you can that feedback to, and yeah, get away they, with yeah. it. Parents love to uh, say bad things to our face, but then praise us behind our backs. Yes. That's generally the, the way yes. it goes, isn't it? Um, okay, so and from a professional point of view, you are a doctor, you're a PhD in... Um, medicinal chemistry. Oh! So nothing really to do with, <laughs> nothing to do with pharmacy, but my background is I'm a, I'm a qualified pharmacist. Okay. And um, now you, you're a consult, consultant pharmacist, you go into... Um... Yeah, that's right. So I help... I go in now and help and represent community pharmacies. I spent I've spent all of my working career working in and around community pharmacy, um, not being a community pharmacist for as much of that really. I've moved into management and now I help and support pharmacies around the Bristol area. Okay. But I also go in and work in pharmacies at times to go and help the management team in those pharmacies. I suppose provide better services to their patients, making sure they're up to date with all of their clinical skills and knowledge bases. Okay. So yeah, you're right, I provide more of a, a consultancy service to pharmacists. Yeah, rather than a hands-on, handing out drugs kind of pharmacy. Yeah, it's probably safe for that. Yeah. Yeah. Keep yeah, away from the drugs. Yes, absolutely. So what we thought would be interesting would be to talk around things, uh, particularly for our audience, about anti-inflammatories. We have a lot of people who need anti-inflammatories. Um, and we do suggest that they are part of a recovery process. But we, I know we've chatted at length before about the, the pros and cons and how we use them and, and the misconceptions about them. So, so talk to me about, let's talk about ibuprofen. Okay. So um, ibuprofen, if 
you, you've fallen over, you've twisted your ankle, and you think, oh no, I'll take some anti-inflammatories and ibuprofen as a painkiller, and it's also an anti-inflammatory. Yep. But the, you, we've talked about the misconception of the fact that um, we can take them for a couple of hours, a couple of days, and then stop, and then it's fine. But but that's not necessarily the truth. Yeah, it's a it's a difficult one because there is there is a school of thought that says that you should probably give it a couple of days before you start to take ibuprofen because it can sometimes slow down the the healing process that the body has to go through. So the difficulty is you use the example of a sprained ankle. Mm. The body generally overreacts to things. So when you sprain your ankle, you get the immediate swelling. And that's your body's protective mechanism. So you get the pain, which is to alert you to the fact that you've done something bad yep. and you, you should stop doing that. You get the swelling because the body is then trying to protect that joint. And some of that mechanism means that the body is probably going over the top. So you get far too much swelling around an ankle sometimes yeah, for, for, sure. for, for the damage you've done. So the first things really to think about is your is you normal, you rest, ice, Compression, elevation. elevation. They they yeah. are the the starter for ten, and if you can get those in quickly, especially getting some ice onto it, getting it cool, getting it elevated, and if you can reduce down that swelling, then I suppose your long your longer term prognosis over the next mm. few days, the next couple of weeks, is likely to be better. Yeah, we do. I mean, then the movement as well. I think it's uh, there's a it's an ongoing kind of investigation into what yes. makes the best recovery, and I think yes. you you probably are talking. Like days, and you know, we're looking for how quickly can we get people back to it, and, yes. and so it, that that's price, mice, rice, <laughs> everything, thrice, yeah. twice, yeah. constantly updates, and um, and I think yeah, it's just a case of doing yeah. doing as much as you can to aid the body, really, yeah, isn't it? Definitely, and then then adding in pain relief, and I think the the thing with pain relief to remember is ultimately if you have injured the joint you are masking that pain to some to some level. Mm, so sure. yes. So some people think that's a good thing, some people think that's a bad thing, don't they? So Yeah, it's, and it's and it's it's finding that balance and for each individual injury it's it's different. Because yeah. equally you want to if you're if you need to be able to move, yeah. If if that's what you need to do for your job or for the things that you're doing around the house, then actually that pain relief then becomes very, very important. Mm. Um go using ibuprofen, yes you you need to make sure that it's safe for you and you've not got any adverse or you're not likely to have any adverse effects to it and the main one being stomach discomfort um it can cause indigestion and that's one to be aware of and can touch on that in a bit more detail later um but actually going in for 400 milligram ibuprofen if you're an adult three times a day is probably a good place to start And now we've had a quick break to um, get the computer battery back up. <laughs> we can go back to what we're talking about. Um, so, yeah, so we've got the uh, the ankle is ready to uh, start healing. Ibuprofen. We start taking ibuprofen on day one, two, as you, again, as we sort of think it's yeah, absolutely. appropriate. Um, if you're in real pain, then, then actually people will probably start taking it straight away. It's worth bearing in mind that it might just slow down that initial recovery period. There's not a huge amount of clinical data that suggests one way or the other, but it's it's a potential. The thing to note with with things like ibuprofen is you'll get the pain relief first, and yeah. then you're going to probably need to be taking it for at least three days to start to get the the anti-inflammatory. That's properties. a really good point to to drive yeah. home, isn't it? And that's what people don't realise is they 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 assume that they're going to get the anti anti-inflammatory straight away, but the way that the body works, and the way that ibuprofen works, that that's not the case. It does take a few days to to kick in. 
But equally, you don't want to be taking ibuprofen for much more than 10 days continuously because then you're at a greater risk of starting to get the side effects yeah and that's it so if we touch on the side effects because i know a lot of people worry about um particularly you know obviously you've got people who've got asthma they don't they can take ibuprofen and then people worry about the lining of the stomach being worn away what's the what's the sort of truth around that okay so yes you're right if you if you're an asthmatic, you'd certainly want to have a conversation with your pharmacist before before taking it. Depends upon the severity of your asthma because it, it can make it worse. Um, and the main one is the stomach discomfort, the indigestion that can come with it. And that's just purely because of the way that ibuprofen works, I suppose, centrally within your body. It can thin, it can cause a thinning of the layer, of the stomach, the protective layer in your stomach, mm-hmm. which is why you then potentially get indigestion. Right. If you're going to need to be on the, that type of medication longer term, then you start to move into the realms of it needing to be prescribed. Because what the doctor can also do is prescribe you something that helps to protect your stomach lining. Like emeprazole. Absolutely, those sorts of things, a proton pump inhibitor. And if you have the two of them together, if you've got a, a longer term injury, or if mm. you're starting to move more into chronic pain, then you'd have the two together, and then you get the benefit of the, the anti-inflammatory, plus you're also protecting your stomach. For sure. So you have to sort of think, with ibuprofen, if you're buying it and taking it, you're taking it for the shortest amount of time to give you the relief of symptoms, and then you really want to be starting to think about tailing it off. Yeah, so sort of three to five days, and then kind of, by which point things should start to feel better. Absolutely, either your injury that you've caused yourself is starting to get better, or you've done done something (laughs) so much more severe that you really also need to be getting it looked at to find out what's going on. And so if we if we ramped up a little bit into the sort of naproxen level, something okay. you can get at Quinnesis, just go straight to the hard stuff. Yep. Naproxen's amazing. <laughs> it is good stuff. Having taken it myself yep. recently, it, it is quite incredible. Um, but the, yeah, so if we talk briefly then around what you could get from a doctor. So if you went, if it was so bad, yep. um, naproxen is, is one of the sort of anti-inflammatories yeah, again. Or... I, had, I had naproxen when I damaged the cartilage in my knee I think I did at one stage and you're right it's really really good stuff but again you start to move into that realm whereby if you're going to have that prescribed by the doctor Mm. and you're going to be taking it for maybe a month or more Mm. then you probably need to have something at the same time to protect your stomach lining and then once you don't need the naproxen again you should be starting to tail it off because if you tail it off and stop taking it you also don't need the the medication you you're either taking them both or then you're not sure you're not you're not taking them at all okay um but you want to be in a place where you're taking those medicines for the least amount of time because ultimately your body should then be given the chance to repair itself and to have it and also if you are masking inverted commas i'm doing inverted commas for those of you who i can't see uh if you are masking the pain which i sometimes think can be you know you, you know no you're just allowing yourself to get on with everyday life yeah. um but at some point you have to get a, a an idea as to what actually is going on and sometimes at some point you have to kind of go okay yeah. is it getting better if you're constantly taking ibuprofen yeah. or paracetamol i suppose that's the other thing to talk about is at what point would you switch in paracetamol because i always yeah. think of paracetamol as being sort of an analgesic as opposed to so a, a painkiller but with ibuprofen having that anti-inflammatory yeah. effect so i suppose if i was I would probably start with with taking paracetamol in a would lot you? of instances. Yeah. Um, if all I want is immediate pain relief from yeah. an injury, then paracetamol is a, is a good place to go. Yeah. It's, it's gentler. Has, yeah, it has far less side effects than ibuprofen. It doesn't have the associated problems with your stomach and yeah. indigestion. Um, 
two, four times a day for an adult is perfectly okay. Yeah. Yes, you can probably take that for a little bit longer. You can probably be into the realm. Of, well, I mean, you can only buy 32 really from a pharmacy, but you can certainly go for a few more days taking that. Mm. So that's a good analgesic. And if you can find that, if you haven't got any swelling and inflammation, then there's no real additional benefits. No, for sure. Of, of taking ibuprofen. So really ibuprofen is if you've got your inflammation, if you've got that swelling and you need to get that under control, with especially a, with joint pain. And with inflammation, we're talking hot, swollen, yep. it looks angry. Yep. That's what we're looking for, inflammation, isn't it? It's that yeah. sort of really... Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think most people... I say I think most people know when they have an inflamed joint, but some people really don't. A, a good Not mentioning any names. A good, a good, <laughs> good indication for an inflamed joint is does it look different to the other, other one? one. Again, I would say <laughs> some people do struggle. I don't think it's inflamed. Um, I think it stand, is. Stand and look at yourself in a mirror. If one knee looks bigger than the other, yeah. it might be inflamed. You're in trouble. Okay. Um, okay, so talking about something else that we can get in the pharmacist, which, or in the, even in Sainsbury's these yeah. days, or, and there are other supermarkets available, um, hot and cold gels. Oh, yeah. Richard's face has yeah. just dropped. I know. <laughs> you know, I'm... I'm not convinced. I've never been convinced by them. And I've never been convinced by them from probably when I was about 13 or 14. Okay. And I, and I had another properly good injury on my knee. Something called Osgood Slatter's oh, yes. disease that I had <laughs> when, I was, when I was growing up. And the physio at the time said, don't ever touch. I, I hot and cold Hot gels. and cold. Because um, all they're doing is they're drawing the blood out of the place where they need to be. Now, right. at the time, I had no conception as to whether that was right or wrong. What's really interesting is is that there's been very, very few clinical studies carried out on hot and cold things. Um, things called um, ruby facents. They've okay. Done, they contain and that salicylates. Means that we're, we're basically, hot. I always think ruby facents, think of it as rubbing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like uh, and there's that bit that says if you're, if you're actually applying a level of massage, maybe even self-massage mm. to an area because you're rubbing something in, then you may okay. get some benefit. Yes. Lots of people swear by putting on products like... Should we talk about I believe. Not so much those, actually. So they're, we'll, we'll cover okay. them off in a minute okay. because cool. they are, they're your NSAID, your non-steroidal pain relief gels, and yep. we'll do them in a, we can do them in a minute. But, but like they, deep freeze or... Those sort of things, your deep heats. I don't know whether we could do product placement. Well, I'm not. We'll, oh yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go. I don't think we're well. on that sort of level of no, audience. <laughs> but there are other other, are other ones, other available. ones available. But, but, we... but those products, um, there's there's very little clinical data that says that they're going to do you any good. Okay. They are. They smell make, quite interesting. They do. They make areas of your body feel warm that you put them on, and if if you're using it for either a warm up or if you're using it post injury. I'm not convinced that it's actually serving your body well to have the blood a drawn to the skin. particularly hot area. Yeah. And if you're using it as a warm-up because you think that you're going to go out onto a rugby pitch and you're going Being to warm. be better, mm. you're not. You, no. you haven't warmed up your, your muscles. You've not done it. I think also it's worth, it's worth mentioning at this point that your muscles are not the only thing that moves. Your tendons, your ligaments. Absolutely. Your, <laughs> yeah. So that has no effect, on, it no, has no, no effect on those. So the act of massage and trying to stimulate that blood flow. is one get, thing. Get that. But it's really interesting that the NHS has actually taken the decision to stop any level of prescribing of those sorts of uh, products. Probably about three or four years ago, something okay. like that. They're they're now in their group of medicines, which there's a much wider group of them that that are kind of classified as low low value medicines. Right. That there's not enough clinical data to support that they should be used. Okay. Um, 
some people will swear by things like deep heat as the thing that gets them ready, that, yeah. that gets them up and able to move. But that's move. probably more to do with their uh, yeah. placebo effect. Yeah, and... and it definitely does have an immediate effect, Yeah. but there's no clinical data to suggest that it is doing anything to improve your overall pain management. And if it's doing the worst thing it can possibly do, which is to mask an injury, mm. then your body's natural reaction to an injury, which is to cause you a level of pain to to make, to make you, you think about not using it. Yeah. If you mask all of that effect, then you're just damaging your body underneath. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I, I've never not used them, not a fan, haven't really ever recommended that people buy them, but I also respect the fact that some other people will swear by them yeah. and will probably be disagreeing with me and throwing <laughs> things out their radio at the minute. <laughs> so, okay, so let's move on to the NSAIDs, as you were talking, yeah. So the gel, so again, so with our with the topical preparations, of things that you apply to the skin, um, there's clinical data out there that suggests that there is a lower level of side effects okay. with applying things and like ibuprofen you're... gel bypassing the gut or um not so much that you're bypassing the gut however you are getting it you the idea is that you're putting it straight onto let's say if i'd injured my elbow i'm applying the product to my elbow so i'm going to get more of a localized absorption into that area of the body right it is still going to be absorbed across the whole body so systemically eventually yes because the whole the body, that's how is the body going, works because that's <laughs> just that's life what's there seems to be some indication that it will take slightly longer for okay. that pain relief to occur if right. you take something orally, take a tablet orally, it gets into your bloodstream relatively quickly. And yes, it circulates across the whole body, which is why you get more side effects, but it is it is more rapid yes. in terms of the onset. Okay. If you apply something to the skin, it's got to first of all pass through the skin. And the skin is a really, really good barrier to letting things cross it. Mm. So if you applied an ibuprofen gel to your, to your elbow, you will get pain relief from it. It may just take a little bit longer. But there is evidence to suggest that you're less likely to get the side effects. Okay, and and is the is, is the measure of ibuprofen uh, the level of anti-inflammatory that you're getting in a, an application of a uh, to the elbow the same? I kind of always think of it as being slightly less. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> it's harder to control. Yeah, because you've it's got a pea-sized amount. Some people's peas are quite big, aren't exactly. they? Exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's a direct result of how much gel you squeeze out of your finger. Sure. Um, I probably don't use them because I'm tight and they're a lot more expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so so on that cost benefit, I yeah. still probably go for 35 pence for a pack of ibuprofen. Three quid for a bottle of um, yeah, something or whatever. The one thing to stick with, it looks like the gels are better absorbed than okay. creams. So okay. you've got Voltrol Elmu gel, you've got the I Believe gels. So if I was going to go for one, I'd go for a gel-based product. Because that, that seems to cross the skin uh, quicker. Okay, it must be the yeah. I guess just it's the, the formulation. Of yeah, that. sure. Okay. Um, and yeah, if I was if I was somebody who again wanted something in a very particular localized area, if I was potentially more at risk of side effects of indigestion, then you might go for a topically. Yeah, would probably be a better way okay. to go. That's interesting. Um, but again, for the shortest amount of time possible is what you're always aiming yeah. for for these things. And naturally, if you're rubbing something into an area that hurts you will naturally stimulate that area. So you'll also Absolutely. get that bit of self-massage yeah, with it sure. as well. And maybe that's a good way of carefully, uh, Radio 2 Link sliding into <laughs> into the reason. Also, I, what I think is always fascinating is the fact that obviously you've got all this knowledge about drugs and you could probably stay out of this clinic for 90% of the time. Yep. Yet you are an, an advocate of 
of, of massage. You came, you 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 know here yep. when you did your Achilles. I think you yep. came the day after, or pretty much it was pretty. Contacted you the day after, yeah, and then two weeks after post-operative, we were you were in and we were treating you, and that yeah. I mean the the recovery. I mean I have to say uh, the recovery on your Achilles you. uh, tendon off, not tendon off the Achilles complete rupture was incredible. You did a great job for, of of looking after yourself, but you were dedicated yeah. at coming in and having treatment and um, and getting it massaged and getting it moved, and so again we, I, I suppose. When I was listening to you talk about the gels, there isn't a huge amount of evidence for massage, really, when you look at it, you know, in, in terms of how massage helps. The studies done, you know, it's, it's a bit of a funny one, but actually you and I both know that it helps. It just, it, yeah. it does help. And so you obviously have seen it for, your, for yourself. And I yeah. guess if you've seen the gels work, you probably would have been an advocate yeah. for those as well. Yeah. Um, and so talk to us about... Okay, so I suppose for me, the, the key thing for me with, with massage is, I know that the reason why I ruptured both of my Achilles was pro well, probably because I um, have a weak spot, yeah. um, but also was because my hamstrings were too tight, yeah. which was causing my calves to tighten up. Yeah. And then the, f the weakest point of the whole chain became right. my yeah. Achilles tendon, which is why both of them, both of them went. Um, I know if I come once a month and have a sports massage on whatever piece of my body I've not so much injured but is tired like then it keeps me in check mm. it keeps things moving it keeps it more supple it means that I am I perform better in my sports I am less likely to get injured. injuries where things have started to tighten up so at the minute I'm doing a lot of butterfly training so I know that and that's the, swimming not training butterflies yeah that's a very <laughs> good point actually otherwise amazing like, yeah it would be fantastic if I was training butterflies. Yes. That what have you got them doing? <laughs> they all sit up and beg. Yeah. Sorry. Do you want some pollen? Yeah. There you go. So with my swimming butterfly training, um, I know that the centre of my back, and it's always been the case since I was a kid, the centre of my back will tighten up. Yeah, so at the bottom of the traps, basically, that is a down there. Rhomboid, is it yeah, called? Yeah. There you go. I've even learned some technical terms yeah. over all the years. Um, and if they tighten up... I know that difficult. my recovery over the water is a lot harder. Yeah. Um, and I probably had, I was probably introduced to sports massage when I was, I'm going to say about 16 or 17. Oh, wow, okay. Um, somebody who happened to be working with me at the time was also training to, to, be a sport, uh, to do sports massage. And she said, I'll, I will massage your back and you will, you will swim better. And I didn't believe it too, <laughs> but it was utter rubbish. But I thought, what? What? What have I got to lose? Exactly. And I swam Much some of the better. best times that weekend yeah. that I ever saw. And that was it. I was bought into the idea that all of a sudden, all of this training that I was doing, all of the lactate that I was building up, all of the muscle fibres that I was tearing and reforming to build mm. muscle structure, all of those things, all that activity that was constantly happening in my muscles. Needed some help. Needed some help mm. to keep the muscle structure as smooth as possible, to keep the blood flowing through it as well as it could possibly be. I know that in my calves I have two constant little knots that never really get go, better. They, they get better, but they never completely go. And they're always there. But what happens is as they get bigger, I can start to feel my calves tightening up yeah, yeah. because I'm restricting the blood flow. Yeah. So all the things that are required for good muscle structure, good blood flow... I know that if I'm doing a lot of sport and I'm tying up my muscles, I will start to feel it. Mm, yeah. And then if I come out of a sports massage, I can loosen everything else off 
and then I perform better when I then go and do my sports. Yeah. I'm trying to stop myself being constantly injured. <laughs> That's what I'm aiming to yeah, do. Yeah, for sure. And therefore, and, well, it's all about recovery. We talked about this last time when we were, we yeah. were talking to Tom um, about how it is about recovery a lot with sports that actually... Yeah putting yourself in the best possible and as we get a little bit older yep. <laughs> it becomes a bit harder so yeah. you know as a you know as a 16 17 year old you're probably able to train on a monday train on a wednesday train on a friday and compete on a saturday train and every with, day. yeah and not be too yeah. too bored but as we get a little bit older the, the recovery yeah. time takes a bit longer yeah definitely and just helping that um yeah. they find that the, the treatments do yeah. help if i now tweak if I tweak something whilst I'm swimming, I mean, unfortunately swimming is so low impact. Yeah. Although it's, you get more. But the range of movement strength. is so important with with swimming, isn't yeah, it? it? That's is. the thing. Yeah, but you're not getting, you know, you're not getting the same impact injuries yeah. that you might get in On other running, sports. Running, for example. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. When um, I've trained and done three marathons and constantly yeah, i ached yeah, yeah. always every time i got up in the morning i was like a 90 year old walking down the stairs until my body had warmed up yeah. and i had to have much more regular physio yeah, just to keep me going through sure. that swimming swimming doesn't cause the same level of impact injuries but you just get your repetition of yeah range of motion yeah. up constantly um so all of those things combined means that if i can do that and if i can keep on with my sports massage then i am less likely to need to have mm. some form of pain relief yeah. or more serious physio yeah, to mend yeah, things. To make sure. Mm. Um, but then you touched on yet yeah, when I, my recovery from from snapping my right Achilles, um, mainly was driven by the fact I got so much grief at home for, um, <laughs> having, done for having done place. it in the first place because of my own stupidity <laughs> and that I am too old to be doing silly sports. Um, but I went for the operation. I fought with the consultant yeah. to have it operated on remember, because yeah. the current pathway at the minute is to let them heal naturally. Pointing your toes down bring does does actually bring the tendon back together. Yeah, yeah. On an ultrasound, I looked at it and it does join the two ends back together. Um, I wanted it stitched and I went back to them with enough evidence to suggest that the stitching gave a better outcome, a mm. better longer term outcome. Not by much, but enough for me to say that's I how that. I wanted it to be healed. Two weeks post-op, I was in here had a, we could then take the boot off because what I knew that had happened when I did my left is that because I was in a cast for six weeks, the muscle wasting over that six yeah. weeks was huge. I then struggled mainly to start walking again because of the loss of range of motion mm. movement. Um, the joint had all seized up. So I knew that two weeks post-op, I wanted to be in starting to get just a small amount of movement going through the joint. Now, this isn't anywhere written down as a protocol and the NHS would probably get really quite nervous yeah. about these, these sorts of bits of advice. But, this but it worked because, for you. It worked for me, yeah. but that's because I took it really, really carefully, yeah. it was really, really, really safely. Well. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they certainly don't advocate taking the protective boot off. No, for sure. Which for me, I was then doing, but I was doing it in a really controlled, safe way. Mm. Um, and yeah, I was able to start to get a bit of range of motion back into the joint, which meant then as I was doing all the exercise that I was exercises that I was being given, that I was carefully managing that injury and that yeah. recovery, and we did it on small stepwise approaches. And as much as anything, being able to start to break down some of the scar Absolutely. tissue that was there, that scar tissue would have been even worse after another six weeks. Yeah, well, we it were becomes able to work much on it. more rigid. Yeah, as absolutely. Over time. It, it's 
all of the wound and everything that was starting yeah. to heal, we were able to break that down and it was getting it back into the system. Meant that when I, after six weeks post-op, I was able to then properly come away from the boot. Mm. I'd already built up some of that range of motion. Yeah. My muscle wasting in my calf was so much less. Minimal. yeah, yeah. Um, and I then was able to get back back straight into the sport and I haven't lost really much strength in the um through my tendon through my calf range of motion is is still there um I did the injury in the October and then because I'm still just as stupid in the March <laughs> I took up taekwondo of course because that's what you do yeah. after, you, after you snapped your Achilles um but all of that recovery so that fo- that real focus on recovery was non-medicated yeah Throughout the whole of my injury, I think I took two paracetamol, wow. which was two paracetamol when it hurt a bit post-op. Yeah. Um, there was no other pain relief or n- nothing else medicated no. throughout the whole of my recovery because I focused on looking after the joint and understanding what had actually gone on in yeah. there and how to best heal it as opposed to masking any of it. Yeah, and it's, it's a very it's a very interesting way of, of sort of looking at it, isn't it? And I, I think if you can understand the, the me- mechanics of it, and yeah. obviously you've got a bit of a heads up, obviously, um, but yeah, if you can understand the mechanics of it, masking the pain, but actually it's working with the pain almost, isn't yeah. it? And understanding your um, boundaries, I guess, and where, <clears throat> where it starts to really hurt and where it's actually, you're just slightly pushing it yeah. towards its, uh, towards its, end points I suppose yeah and I'm always conscious with these things that that in my instance something that is quite acute like snapping your Achilles or, or snapping some of the tendon is is acute it can be stitched back together again in this instance yeah. and then you can recover mm. there are there are also lots of musculoskeletal um, issues. pain issues that, that patients come across whereby it's, it's going to be chronic it's going yeah. to be long term um, trying to work to understand that root cause of the problem is still really advisable yeah. um you know when people wake up with a crick neck after, after sleeping yeah. you know where is that tension running through your shoulders yeah. you know, it didn't happen to... over the night overnight last yeah, yeah. It's, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back as opposed to yeah absolutely and again people will often wake up they'll, they'll wake up with a really kind of sore shoulder it's... and yes you can medicate that and you can try to you can try to ease it but ultimately if the muscles are really mm. tight and tense then until you solve the root cause of the problem, yeah, absolutely. Then it's I mean, going to carry on. We we tend to talk about the fact that if you wanted to, you can medicate at that point because actually the range of motion is better to to start to achieve. So if you yeah. have cricked your neck, actually moving your neck will be impossible if your pain level is so high. Yes. But you're absolutely <clears> right. Getting getting to the root of it or why that's happened over it hasn't happened overnight is the yep. is the short answer, isn't yes. it? But um, yeah. But no, that's that's brilliant. Thank you so much for coming it's quite to right. talk to us today. And hopefully that's been uh, helpful to everyone. Um, if you've got any questions, I'm sure if you pop them over to us, you'd be happy to yeah, see, if we can, see if we can yeah. answer them. Thank you so much. And we shall see you again. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.